So we are doing Uddhav Gita, the last message of Sri Krishna, chapter 2, verse 22. This is Uddhav Gita, chapter 2, verse 22. There are many created cities, such as those with one, two, three, four, or many legs, as well as without legs. Or of these, the human body is my favorite city. Uh, last week, when we were doing the satsang, we were mentioning about how balanced mind, how knowledge is so very important. Because if you need to be on the path of yoga, yoga means union, you need to have balanced mind and knowledge has to be perfect. Then, then only we can experience the full manifestation of a spiritual nature of man. Now Krishna is describing this time to Uddhava about the various cities he has created. Now what does he mean by cities? The third part of creation is called having the entire creation inside a being. So, the first part of creation is what we see the physical entity outside as what we call as macrocosm. Then we have the microcosm. Microcosm is the smallest of the smallest. What you see in the macrocosm, that is the bigger universe out there, is a physical manifestation of the bigger universe out there. You will find everything. Whatever that you wish to see, it is there. The same universe is visible in a microcosm. With it, that means in an atomic level. And because it is available in an atomic level, so it's a replication. Now the third part of it, which is what I, we are explaining. The third part of it is, everything is within a human being. So if I have to look at some God. This small g. Small g is the small god that we talk about. You will find that energy, that source of knowledge and that divinity within a person. So we have described this in so many satsangs. So what is this idea about the entire macro and the microcosm being inside a human being? So study of that is spiritualism. The word spiritual comes from spirit, the term spirit, that which runs our system. What makes the stars go round? What makes the atom go round? You know, the electrons, protons, so on and so forth. What happens to them? Some kind of a force or energy field is doing something about it. Isn't it the same with human beings also? Something is making us run. So that which makes us run is called the spirit. And all these macro, micro as well as the human beings are in the divine. We call it the divinity, that which runs the entire universe. Everything around us. So here Krishna is trying to tell Uddhava that this spirit being, there are various kinds of creatures. 
so he calls them cities cities as you know cities contains everything i mean right from the transport system we have a transport system inside of us also we have the you know all the blood vessels and the nerves and so on and so forth plus there are the electricity department is there the you know the water department every department that you want to see in a city is inside a body right and that is the reason why he calls it what is called as a city right so if you can just think about your body capable of everything that means creation of even electricity water supply food sanitation transportation everything literally so here he says there are many created cities we are created beings isn't it we have been created in the womb you know so mother father creating a child now the child needs to have this spirit within for it to function so here there are those created cities with one two three four or many legs you see centipede millipede it has got many legs it is still alive isn't it huh centipede is alive it is moving along then you will find that there are four legged creatures okay there is even a one legged creature i don't know whether you know about a one legged creature do you know huh? have you seen those creatures in the sea what is it called he the male keeps the baby in his pouch yeah usko bolte hain so ha yeah see horse so there is a sea horse which is a one legged creature two legs as you know you are there hmm? now you will say three legged who is this three legged creature <laughs> the marsupials ha huh? they stand on two legs in front and one tail behind you go to australia you will find them kangaroos they have two legs on top which are basically not legs at all ha huh? then they have two legs at the bottom on which they jump and their tail is the most important one which is used for locomotion so he is talking about various kinds of creatures who have got five legs also four legs also three legs also see he says there are many created cities such as those with one two three four or many legs as well or without legs snakes they don't have any legs of this the human body is my most favorite city so in all these creatures the one thing which is my most favorite krishna says is the human body in this men who have controlled their senses directly seek me the inscrutable lord through attributes such as the intellect etc that are perceived by means of inference through their indication so this was the next verse verse number 23 now this is a slightly difficult verse so let me again repeat the verse to you in this so in this city that is the human being men who have controlled their senses directly seek me the inscrutable lord through attributes such as intellect etc that are perceived and by means of inference through those indications now doesn't it sound very difficult so i will break the verse down to you for you to understand what it means first he says you have to control your senses now what you see what you hear what you touch what you feel 
is all an illusion. Okay. Everything that is happening around us is nothing but an illusion. The things that you see today may not exist tomorrow. Alright. What you hear may just be a hearsay. It may not be real also. Now in Karnataka today, there is so much of problems going on. They don't know whether the government is going to be there or not there. So how do you know whether the government is there or not there? In the same way, in America, we have Donald Trump. One day he says one thing, another day he says another thing. So there was a bill passed just two days ago in the US. And it has now gone to the Senate. It is about increasing the number of green cards. So there is no limit on that. So this bill was raised by the Democrats and 100 Republicans supported it. <laughs> so what is real in that? So here on one side, Donald Trump is saying we should not allow the foreigners to come in. On the other side, you are opening up the doors so that everybody comes in. Doesn't it sound contradictory? This is the reason why we call this as illusory. Everything is an illusion. Everything is an illusion and this illusion is created by the mind. Your mind creates an illusion. Sometimes you may see a person, you may say, oh, this person is so nice. And later on that person <laughs> turns out to be a bad person. We don't know. So who is good, who is bad, we cannot say. So how does this entire thing work? He says, only if you have controlled your senses, you should not get carried away by the senses. You see, when you eat something, the taste is only on your tip of the tongue. That's it. Somewhere on the tongue, you will find the taste. But when you ingest it, when the food is ingested inside, where is the taste? The taste is no longer there. So then, is it only for the tongue that we are talking about? See, we drink a lot of soft drinks. It is nothing but water. So I used to manufacture soft drinks once upon a time in which the contents were 10,000 liters of water to just 5 liters and 5 liters of A and B components. That was giving the flavor and the taste to it. You get a smell. You get a smell when you when you open a bottle of Fanta or something, you get a smell hmm? or any of those soft drinks. And then you taste it. When you put it in your mouth, you get a certain taste. It is nothing but flavoring material. And the moment you drink it, it goes inside. Where is the flavor? Where is the taste gone? It's no longer there. It is for that millionth of a second that you drink the soft drinks. Otherwise, plain water is more than enough. Again, when we talk of sparkling water, in India, the idea of sparkling water is a soda, right? What is there in it? Carbon dioxide, CO2. This is the same CO2 we are trying to avoid in this environment. We are saying we should reduce the CO2 content. Okay? So, there are plants. Do you see this is a, this is a dichotomy? On one side, we want to drink carbon dioxide and increase the CO2 levels by using fuels and so on and so forth. And on the other side, we want to reduce it because it is creating a whole depletion <laughs> in the air. So, 
what is real in this nothing is real so this idea you need to just have it's not that you need to go and do something about it you should have an idea about it it is like when you tell a child don't touch this it is sharp you take you take a blade or a knife and you tell a child don't touch this this is sharp it will cut your fingers then the child is supposed to listen and not go and touch isn't it so here in this case you know carbon dioxide levels are going up things are happening in this world or whatever the china is fighting with america or the so these are called controlling of senses if you do not control your senses you will not be able to understand what is going on behind the scene one more example now you are watching a very good movie spider man you know there is no such creature as spider man on earth you know there is no iron man there is no spider man and yet when you are sitting in a theater you are looking at that screen over there you feel it is so real even jurassic park you feel as if those creatures are coming towards you so there's not the truth so if you have discernment you will understand that that is not real it is just a created thing it is just an illusion so this entire world is just an illusion i have explained illusion in terms of so many different things so he says if you have controlled your senses then you can seek me then you understand what is real and what is unreal how do you seek me through attributes everything is attributes remember if i have to say this rose is pink or this rose is red the word red is an attribute okay your eyes are blue or your eyes are green so we say it's an attribute isn't it so a person is beautiful or a person is ugly it's an attribute so you can have attribute these are called attributes so he says you can see this through attributes now one thing which we know in spirituality is the term god is a very kind of a misnomer it's we do not have an idea who is this person called god god is supposed to be some person with long beard and stuff like that abhi wapas wo down ho gaya so we were talking about attributes such as intellect etc the god nobody has ever seen nobody has seen this god with one long beard and sitting with one halo somewhere on some throne somewhere in the heavens there is no heaven by the way if you say a heaven is up there we don't even know what is up there there are millions of stars millions billions of stars and planets and so on and so forth we can't say there is hell down there because down there also are stars so this idea about where is this god where is this heaven where is this hell nobody knows so then what are we talking about you have to understand this with attributes the only way of realizing and understanding is through attributes everything that we can see and hear and touch and feel is the only way in which we can understand this whole thing so we have to use logic in this world to understand this entity that we are talking about isn't it so what is this entity that we talk about finally when things are not going proper in a person's world somebody is sick somebody is dying somebody doesn't have a child somebody doesn't have is not getting married you know so many things are happening in this world you are in deep trouble then what do you do if you are a 
person who is a believer in God, you will go and say, God, please help me. You may go to a church, a temple or some such place. Correct? Or, if you are a non-believer, maybe you will say, you know, things will work out. And things don't work out most of the time. So then, there is a dependent person and there is an independent person. The person who believes and person who doesn't believe. There are two kinds of people. So here he says, if you want to look at this aspect, those who are believers, they have something to clutch to. See, in the material world, we have relationships. You know, a girl and a boy relationship is there now, which is very common nowadays. So you, you go out there in the world and you think, oh, am I going to have a relationship with this person or no? And you try to find out, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It's like, you know, in olden times, you used to take one one flower and he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. Something like that used to happen. <laughs> so, it is still, we are trying to find something. Is there logic in it? You think those petals are going to be, are they logical? There is no logic in that at all. Somebody is loving or not loving is also not logical. It is the most illogical thing on earth. The term love itself is illogical because nobody understands the term love, what it means. You can say, oh, I feel it. What do you mean by you feel it? Nobody knows what you feel. It is just, maybe you have some orifilations on your hand or maybe you feel like crying. I mean, that is the only thing. Some expressions are there. Some kind of expressions are there. But understanding love is very difficult. It's not possible to understand. So in the same way, there is no logic there. Logic is lost. So here he says, you have to use attributes which are material worldly attributes. What is happening in this world, you have to use those attributes and try to understand this. So now do you understand what he says? You have to use the attributes. That means use your body, senses. The mind. What do you think the mind has been given to you? For understanding some things, isn't it? You have been given the senses to grasp some knowledge. What is the knowledge? Suppose there is a hot pan, you can't go and touch it. Knowledge will tell you that, isn't it? If the pan is hot, you can see it is hot on the gas stove. You are not supposed to go and put your hand on it. That will teach you. So, there is a lot of intellect that is used. And your mind will tell you how this entire thing is to be operated upon. You know, there are fishermen. Have you ever seen somebody catch uh, crab? You know, crab fishing is a very, very, uh, you can't call it fishing also. <laughs> when you go to, in India, there is a method of catching crabs. In the river beds, there are crabs. So what they do is they take a long stalk of rice you know that rice or and they'll tie one to the other and they will dip it in the river and <laughs> slowly during that they'll just pull it out like this so the crab is clinging to it so the crab comes out this is the way how crab fishing is done but in places like say sri lanka and you know alaska they have huge boats which they take out to the sea and they have very huge nets which are dropped in the ocean and then they collect the crab. That is a different way of doing it. But there is a technique used in different different places. So whatever that you need to do, there are techniques that are used. Now say for example, there are new cars that have come into the picture nowadays. You know, like I was just reading about a car called 
Volvo Tiguan. Okay, now that car it has sensors where suppose if your boot is open and you move away from the boot, the boot closes so that if you have taken something from the boot and taken it away, you know, people can rob something. So the boot closes on its own. It is sensor, sensor based. Logic is used over there, intellect is used over there, isn't it? So in most of these artificial intelligence for your Without logic and without intelligence, you can't have artificial intelligence also. There are robots which are jumping up and down. <laughs> they are landing on their feet. Okay. So, Boston Dynamics is one of the very good examples. So, how are they doing it? Without the intellect and the mind, you cannot achieve that. So, here what Krishna is saying is you got to use these faculties. That is your mind on one side and your senses and your body. Use them for doing what? So that things can be perceived. Perception is there. You have perceived certain things in this world. By means of inference. Inference? How do you infer something? You infer something by using your mind, isn't it? Right? Suppose, you know, a piece of metal is lying over there and it has become red hot. What do you infer? You say it is hot, isn't it? It's become red in color. And sometimes it becomes bright white. Then you know very well that it is still hotter. In the same way, if you look at the sun, you know when it is orangish, reddish orange, it must have just come up during the dawn. When it is high in the sky, it is white, yellowish white. That means... It is just about, are you not inferring by this? Here again, we are using so many instruments. We are inferring by the levels of sound that are picked up. So, how do you infer? Here, there is nothing over here which says that the audio or video is on. So, I cannot infer whether it is on or not on. So, I have to ask someone, is it on? And the person will say, yes, it is on. <laughs> so, I can infer. So, this is what he says. With your mind, with your intellect, you can perceive the objects and then you can infer through those indications, whatever the indications that are there. Like I said, the red hot thing or the white, these colors will tell you different, different things. It's like last uh, 15 days ago, I was explaining about blue. Color doesn't exist in this universe. There is no such color as blue. And to create blue is the most difficult thing in the world. When you want to create the color blue, you have to remove certain colors out of the system. Then only the blue color can be seen. Otherwise, it cannot be seen. So, those who have blue eyes, actually they don't have any color inside their eyes. <laughs> but it is perceived. So, how do you perceive? How do you come to this conclusion? So, he says, use these attributes, faculties, your mind, your intellect, so on and so forth. And then he says, Perceive it, see it, observe it, infer by it, by means of indications. So, this was quite a tongue twister and a difficult verse for us. So, we have just completed verse 23. So, now we will move on to verse 24. So, Uddhav Gita, chapter 2, verse 24. Regarding this, they also cite an old tale comprising the dialogue between Yadu of Matchless Valor and an Avduta. 
So now comes my Guru's story. So here Krishna is saying to Uddhava, I am now going to give you a story. And this story talks about my forefather, that is Krishna's forefather and a person who roams around in the world who is called a free person, an avduta. He is a sage, a sage who just roams around in the world. Uh, we have most of these great people, they don't want to stay in one place. And they are the most intellectually perfect beings. They are the divinity themselves, which is one of them is my Gurudev. So he says over here regarding this, he is going to cite one example. 25. Seeing a learned and a young Brahmin Avduta roaming fearlessly, Yadu, who was well versed in religion, asked him. So, my forefather, that is Krishna's forefather, asked this person who was roaming around. Okay. He says, please come here. I want to ask you a question. Remember the Yadus, his forefathers were kings of a, in India. So, the Yadu said, verse 26, O Brahmin, free from action as you are, Whence have you got this excellent discernment attaining which you roam over the world like a child although you are a sage? Now this is a very big, it's a tongue twister verse again. Says, he says to the person, O Brahmin, you are free from action. Now what is the first thing that describes a person? Anybody who is there in this world, what does it say about that person? What action he is doing? So you came by flight, okay? There is a pilot who is piloting the aircraft. Hmm? There are air hostesses. They are going around serving so on and so forth. There are other people who are sitting over there. But tell me, was there any single person sitting in the aisle's entire, you know, entire flight who was not doing anything? Everybody was doing something or the other. They may be sitting in one place silent, yet their mind is running at million thoughts per second. They are not silent. Nobody is silent. Their minds are going grrrr at a very high speed. But an avduta is a person whose mind doesn't work. In a sense, he has controlled his mind, controlled his body. You see, human beings, we love to wear clothes. Hmm? The air conditioner was on. The blast of AC was directly on the person. Person says, Oh, I'm feeling cold. So you go to a hot place. You feel, I should not be wearing any clothes at all. You go to any cold place, you want to wear layers and layers of clothing. This avduta has controlled his body to such a level that it doesn't really matter. He may be roaming around with one bare cloth. That's it. Beyond that, he's not wearing anything. And he can live in the Himalayas in minus degrees or he can go to South India where the temperatures are 40-50 degrees Celsius also. And it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't even wear a pair of footwear. No footwear. He doesn't carry even a small vessel to eat food. He doesn't have money. Can you live like this? Like an avduta? No money? No, one pair of maybe one cloth piece? No shoes and you can't stay in one place, you, you have to keep on roaming. So this is called an avduta, but he is a very, very evolved being, evolved. 
spiritually perfect person. So this is a kind of an avduta. He is a free person. He doesn't have relationships. Relationships. I mean, we were talking about relationships. Can you suddenly leave a person and go somewhere? No, you can't do that. You see, you have to think of everything. Right? Now, I was reading about uh, Brad Pitt and his girlfriend, uh, his wife. No, the previous one. The one who was there in France. Okay. Now, they were married and it took them many years to separate out, it seems. Why? Because they have to think in terms of what will happen to these children and what will happen to this one and what will happen to that one. And the house and the dogs maybe and the cats. I don't know what all things a person has that they have to think in all these terminologies. So can any person leave this world and just walk away? There is no person on earth who can just walk away and say, I am not doing anything. See, even if a person walks away, they still have to think of eating. Isn't it? You have to think, where will I get my next food from? Do I have the money? You can't just walk out of life and say, oh, where is the money going to come from? I don't know. God is going to give me money. <laughs> I have a tree where if I shake it, all the money will fall from top. Something like that. No magical tree over there also. No money. Where will I have food? Where will I have water? Where will I have clothes? Where will I take a bath? What will I do? My lips are going to get chapped. I'm going to go into the uh, desert. Okay, then what happens? I'm going to feel cold. So if you try to say fit your life into one small suitcase also, it is not possible. Today for a human being to fit their life into one suitcase is not possible. The CEO of a top organization says, that lady says, I require 26 pairs of clothing in my bag. That is the minimalist that I can be. But an avduta is a person who doesn't need even one simple thing. Nothing is required. So he just roams around. You, you, you remember in the previous book that we have done, which is called the Bhagavatam, another avduta was involved and his name was Sukhdev. Sukhdev. Sukhdev is the person who is telling the story, isn't it? Here in this case, he is talking of another avduta who is free. And this person is Dattatre. So he says, O Brahmin, free from action that you are. You don't have any actions to perform. Can you go without food for two days? No. Human beings, they will feel hungry in three hours, four hours, ten days. Can I eat something? So, free. So, he didn't have anything that is going to hold him back. So, things in this world which holds a person back. Imagine on one side we have a person who is dependent on everything. Right? And there is another person on the other side where nothing. No, no he is not dependent on anything at all. How does an avduta work? I will give you an example of how does an avduta work. You see, an avduta is a person who doesn't have to stress himself to get his food. He doesn't stress, he doesn't think, oh my god, where am I going to eat my food from? In his world, if he wants something, if there is a, if there is some need for him, that object will appear in front of him. I am sure you have a lot of examples in front of you where the objects have just appeared, you know, just, they just appear. And when they appear, they are very strange. How did that happen? So in our world, in the world of average human beings, we think that, oh my God, this was, this is really great. You know, 
I was not expecting this to happen, but this happened. So we call it, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Somebody who is dying suddenly is fine and hail and hearty. It's a miracle, we call it, isn't it? But there are people, they'll say, no, 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 no. The doctor has given this medication. That is why the person is alive. You can look at it in whichever way you want to. Nobody is objecting to the way you look at it. So here, an avduta is not dependent on that at all. One story about my Gurudev in Guru Charitra, where the person is dead and the wife has brought the body of her husband for you know washing him in the river and then performing what is called a sati, an act which is now prohibited. So she goes to meet Narsima Saraswati and Narsima Saraswati blesses her with children. So everybody looks at Narsima Saraswati, but her husband just died. How can you bless her with children? It's not possible. He says, no, he's alive. So no, no, his body is lying over there near the riverside. So he calls out to that person and the person comes walking. So how did that happen? <laughs> so this is a, it's a very funny instance, but in our case, we call it a miracle, isn't it? We call it a miracle. So these kind of things happen in this world. And there are lots of things which we cannot explain in the normal circumstances, why things happen this way or that way. Now for an avduta, it is not a difficult thing at all. In his world, he may be just walking around and he will get his food, he will get his whatever that he needs, all his things will get taken care of. You will find that there are lots of these great sages who live in the Himalayas and all these places. Can you think about these guys staying over there for tens of years, you know, maybe scores of years. I don't know how many years they may be. They are just sitting in some mountain cave away from civilization and yet they are alive. So you will wonder how is it that they are alive? But they are sages. The food comes to them if they want food. They don't have to breathe also. You know, in, in yoga, there is a technique by means of which you can be alive by one breath in the entire year. You can take one breath and you can still be alive. Do you need to eat? No need. So, these are all, for the material world, these are illogical things. For spiritual people, this is logical. It happens. And we don't bother our head about whether it is logical or illogical. So here in this case, the story is going on where he says, this person who has appeared in front of the Yadu is full of discernment. You give him a gold coin also, he won't bother his head about it. He'll just throw it away. But if you find a gold coin, will you throw it away? If you find a lottery ticket where you have won 5 million or 10 million dollars, do you think you will throw it away? No. Will you? No, no. Nobody is going to throw it away. Okay. So, but a yogi is a person who will not even care for this kind of things. He just gives it away. He doesn't, it doesn't even matter to him. So, he has got this excellent discernment which is like a child. How does he roam around like a child? Have you ever seen a child? You see, you give him one chocolate or something like that and he is very happy. Maybe a toy. He is very happy with the toy. And after some time, he will just throw the toy over there and walk away. It doesn't matter to him. You see, these are children, you know. Their attention span is so small <laughs> only when the toy is in front of them and somebody is asking for it, they say, no, this is mine. They will not want to give it to you. But the moment you, you don't want it and you have gone away, they'll just throw that thing over there and walk away. 
You see, when we grow up, we are bothered about things. You may be carrying your purse in in a in a mall, you know, where you are gone to buy your groceries or stuff like that in a supermarket, and you are paying exactly the amount that is due to be paid. But if you have your say grandson with you, and there is a poor person behind, that person doesn't have money. He will say, "Granny, can you please give him money?" <laughs> He doesn't have that kind of a restriction in his world. He doesn't understand how the money comes from. He thinks money comes from ATMs. <laughs> and you have enough money in this world. But as we grow up, we are very bothered about these kind of things. So he says, this particular yadu is meeting this yogi who has this kind of a nature, which is a childlike nature. So, because he has a childlike nature, and yet he is a sage. Please understand something: a sage or a saint is a person who has an absolute childlike nature. If you have read the Ramakrishna Paramahansa's book, you will find that he will laugh like a child, he will smile, he will do whatever, and next moment you will find that he is very serious. He may be singing songs, or he may be just sitting over there meditating. You don't know. At least you can predict. A way how a person is going to behave, a normal human being is going to behave, isn't it? But can you predict the way in which a sage is going to behave? Can you say, oh, this is the way in which he is going to behave? Not at all. We don't even know how he is going to behave. So he is like a child. You will find that many a times, this is my chocolate. I don't want to give it to you. You know, this is the way they will behave. And sometimes they will give away everything that they have. They take it, take it, take it, take it. So they they have a nature which is very very unique. So he is talking about person who is the tatra. The tatra's nature is exactly like that. So I, before I end, I will tell you how when I met my gurudev, how is it that I saw him? I met him as a young boy of ten or twelve years or thirteen years. I don't know. Very young man, and I was amazed. I was wondering. Here is a person who is a million years old, and he is looking like a twelve and a thirteen year old, or I don't know, so young. And I was amazed at his you know, the way he spoke. So they can be young, they can be old, they can be just sitting at one place, they can be laughing their head off. It does not matter. And Avduta is exactly like this. So if you meet Dattatre, Dattatre, you can never predict the way in which he is going to be. All right. Now this is the fun part. So Yadu said this to the Brahmana, to, the, uh, to this young person. I would like to now know. So tomorrow, when we take on from verse twenty-seven onwards, we will talk about what are the questions that Yadu is going to ask the Tatra. So we'll stop over here at verse twenty-six. So I'll see you all tomorrow.